What is up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And in this episode, I sit down with comedian Martin Amini. Now, Martin is from this area in Washington, D.C. He's from Silver Spring, Maryland, which is right across the border. But he has grown his stature, his notoriety, his comedian clout to rise and move to L.A. and has a spot at the legendary comedy store. It was super awesome sitting down with him and chatting with him. Of course, all over Zoom because, well... Uh, meeting up is not an option right now. So yeah, that's where we are right there. And so that's the angle right now. Guys, the YouTube is absolutely crushing. Getting so many new subs daily. I, I couldn't be more stoked. It just feels super awesome. And I would love if you guys could watch this video on YouTube. I mean, you don't have to, but if you did, that's cool. And if you hit that subscribe button, that's nice also. But you don't gotta do that. You can just help me out and uh, leave a rating on this podcast if you enjoyed it. Only if you enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, then don't leave a rating because I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's get into this episode. That's the angle. That's the podcast. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And I am joined with Martin Amini. What's going on, bro? What up? <laughs> Not a whole lot. You know, sitting in my room sweating my, my, my ass off because we haven't turned the AC on yet. So. Yeah. Got some of this iced coffee, but dude, I saw your post this morning and you said some of the realest stuff on that post about going on the world star first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think truer things have been said. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, sometimes you got to look for alternate ways to get your blood flowing. That's yeah. not even I intentionally, it's not even that I intentionally go to look at that stuff. It's just on my time, random shit. The most random things are on your timeline right now on Twitter. You can't mm-hmm. help but seeing some wild stuff, man. Oh, Twitter is crazy. It's like you don't know if you're gonna run into porn or running into something. Bro, like, it's po- like and, it, and it's usually the the porn is from the people you least expect. You're like, what are you <laughs> doing, mom? Like, why are you retweeting this? I don't know. It's, it's like, it's, oh no, I didn't know you had an OnlyFans too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going on. But yeah, Twitter's wild. I think quarantine is starting to get to everyone's mental. So I think like everyone is just like at this point, anything's fair game on the timeline. Oh, dude, yeah. Pe- people don't know what's going on. But real quick for like people who don't know who you are, would you mind just giving like, a quick background of who you are and what you do and what's yeah, kind of going on? Uh, I'm an unemployed comedian at the moment. <laughs> um, I, I, I started uh, comedy in Washington, D.C. in 2012, and I recently moved to Los Angeles uh, six months ago to uh, take my show that I started in D.C. to the comedy store in Hollywood. Um, but now I'm back in Maryland quarantining with the family. Wow. So you literally went out there and then you ha- ended up coming right back. Yeah, I had a decision to make. Um, I did a sold out show at the DC Improv March 11th and then um, did some weekend shows there with Jesus Trejo and had a flight book for LA March, I want to say f- 17th or 18th. And it was a Tuesday. And I remember this is when like, the NBA was canceled. Things were looking bleaker and bleaker by the day. And I'm like, do I want to wait this out in LA or do I want to just stay home and be close to the family? So I decided yeah. to not get on the, I decided not to get on the flight back home to LA. Wow. And, and this was March, March, early March. And uh, so I'm still here. How are you feeling about that decision? Did you kind of feel like you made the right one? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, I, the rent, I, yeah, I just gave up my apartment. Mm-hmm. because it was just like at the time the the rent was like expensive bro 
I had a nice spot on Melrose and I was like, dude, if there's no live shows in LA, I have no business. Do you know what I mean? I could do what I do for, in DC. I can podcast here in DC. I can get, you know, set up my studio here. I don't need to be in LA paying rent. Uh, and and you, you said you're at the comedy store. That's a pretty big place, isn't it? Oh, it's like the, 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 the big, it's like the number one spot for comedy in the world. I'd say. Yeah. I've, I've only heard about it through, of course, Joe Rogan's podcast and all everyone who comes on, there's like, that's the Mecca. That's the Mecca. Yeah. 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 I had my own show there every month. So they gave, Dude. they gave, that's why I moved there is because they gave me my own show. Um, wow. So it was a really uh, cool situation. I still have a really good relationship with them. I think like everyone else, we're just waiting it out to see what happens. Mm -hmm. So like, I can't help but wonder, you said you've been doing it since like 2012, but at like, how did you get to a point to where you could even go to the comedy store and consider that sort of like elevation of your craft? I mean, it's one of those situations where uh, you build up your name to the point where people want to work with you. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like you can walk in and just ask them for a show. You kind of have to have those relations, develop those relationships over time. So I was fortunate enough to build some LA relationships over the years. Plus with the relationship I have with the DC improv here in DC, um, that was enough to, uh, get me the show. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, since 2012, that's a grind, dude. That's 18 years. No, or, sorry, eight, eight years. Yeah, fuck. Definitely My math not. is so bad. That's why I talk on microphones and I don't do math for a living. Yeah. That's awesome. So it just makes me wonder, like, what is like the DC comedy landscape in your perspective? Like, what is sort of like before, I guess, of course, pre-COVID, but like what what's your take on the DC comedy scene? Um, it's a great place to start comedy. Uh, a lot of talented uh, comedians have gone on to bigger careers starting from DC and moving to LA, New York, bigger markets like that. Uh, when I started the DC comedy scene was kind of on the verge of rebuilding. And mm -hmm. over the course of the past two, three years, it's been like a golden age of DC comedy where, you know, we went from having two to three shows a week to 20 shows a week. And wow. I was performing, there's like four comedy clubs. I was doing two, three shows a night. And, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a, an amazing time and amazing place to, to, to really do comedy. Uh, what do you think, what do you think it took it to that next level? I would say, I mean, it was a, it was like the perfect storm of, um, talent and timing of the city just developed, like re it's going through a renaissance. I mean, I, I grew up in this area. So like we, we, if you're from the area, you've kind of, you're aware like DC has gone through so many changes over the course of the past 10 years. Dude, um, yes. You know, the gentrification to the new, just, you know, a lot of, a lot of new money, a lot of disposable income. So I think that played a big role in more arts, uh, people, mm -hmm. more, uh, art patronage, like people paying for things like comedy where someone like me can actually, you know, make a, a living just full time doing comedy, which is what happened as of last year. So, um, that was the biggest shift. I think people just paying and people being able to make a living and just grow the quality to the point where like New York and LA comics want to come and do sh shows in DC, like, you know, get on a bus to do, to headline and do shows at, 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 at local spots like big hunt, uh, DC draft house, DC improv. Those are, those are great venues for comedy. I love the big hunt. 
I love that, that ambiance in that basement. Yeah, dude, that was like my spot. That was my home base. It, yeah, it's it's funny because you're you're from Silver Spring, right? Yeah, I grew up, born and raised Silver Spring. Yeah, I'm from Northern Virginia, Woodbridge. Ah, uh, dope. Yeah, so I, it's it's I can relate. It's like we both kind of saw this ten year progression of DC just becoming a place where your parents are like, hey, maybe you shouldn't go with go over there to kind of being like, mm, I kind of want to live here now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, parents, I don't know, but like definitely younger people for sure. Like it, it, it just became the place to be for nightlife. Um, you know, places like Big Hunt didn't exist and probably couldn't exist unless there was a really, you know, big market for that. And uh, yeah, dude, you, I mean, if you're on, at Big Hunt on a Friday, Saturday night, it's one of the coolest places to be ever for, for any type of show. Yeah, I, I love it. And it's it's definitely a unique experience. I, I was just like mooching for a while and going to like all the late night free shows. And then eventually I was like, all right, let me start paying. I want to see the real acts. And it was totally worth it. Yeah, dude, it was great. I mean, it's a great place. Hopefully we'll see what happens. I think a lot of people are still like questioning what's going to happen after this quarantine. But um, I would like to imagine, you know, there's going to be definitely venues for co- live performances uh, when this is done. Yeah, I definitely think people want to go do things. Like once it's over, I think people definitely want to be entertained. They're going to have like a bigger appreciation for comedy and art shows, which is like art shows is like my world. And then, you know, uh, nightlife and bars for those people. But how are you like really worried till things can kind of get back to normal with like a full attendance crowd and, and you being on stage? Um. I would say maybe initially there was definitely, I mean, it's day to day, man. You know, like any artist, you go through mood mood shifts, but like right now I've kind of like already made the decision to shift the whole strategy and from live performing to just doing podcasts and, and, and like, you know, just online content in general. Is Uh, that the kind of new wave for comedians right now? I mean, I can't speak on behalf of comedians. That's up to every comedian to figure out what works for them. But for me, like I'm, I'm going straight YouTube, like stand up clips, podcasts, vlogs, all that stuff, uh, is kind of the direction I'm heading in right now. Like current, that's why I got the new office right now in Silver Spring, just to solely focus on like film production and mm-hmm. just, just stuff that like people will enjoy. Um, if you like my comedy, you'll probably, you know, enjoy my YouTube channel. In your YouTube channel, is your name Martin Amini, right? Yeah, just my name. And uh, I, I got like two specials on there. And uh, the channel within the past month, I've gotten over a thousand new subscribers in the past month. And uh, I mean, you deserve it. I was watching yourself last night. I was geeking out, man. I was like, ah, I, let me try and go to bed. But dude, I was just, I was just, I was losing it, dude. It was so funny. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. No, it was, uh, it was, I was having a big year. I started off January taping my like, special at the kennedy center sold out show uh we we're selling out shows in, in at the comedy store selling out shows here at the dc improv every month um and now it's you know it took a few a, a few months to to kind of like pivot to figure out what i wanted to really but i've been trying to do this video podcast for like literally two years and for whatever reason the universe would put little things in my way to the point where i couldn't get it done but as of today, I, I'm getting the keys of this new office to film my, my first uh, video podcast, and that's going to be weekly, plus a Patreon extra episode. Um, What's it going to be called? It's just the Overachievers. Uh, Overachievers. The Overachievers. 
and it's me, my DJ, and we have like uh, a lot of comedian friends going to drop by the studio. And, and but uh, if you like my stand up, it's it's really just an extension of my personality in the podcast. And um, we've been doing audio. But video is different, man. You need video. video like, like video hits different. You need that YouTube poll. It's so important. It's dude. It's and that's the thing. Like we never fully went all out with the podcast the way I wanted to to really mm-hmm. give the audience the full, you know, the, cons- the consistency. Because I'm like, dude, we need vi- we need visuals. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I, there was a point where we were, we were literally because my equipment was in L.A. at my apartment. I had to get it sh- because I moved back. I had to get it shipped. I had to have a comedian friend go to my apartment in LA, uh, grab my like camera, my tripod, my lights, all that stuff that I like. I moved to LA for the podcast and the show and comedy store because I, I figured all my famous friends are in LA. That's a way better place to podcast than DC. Makes sense. And uh, so my friend had to go to my apartment, you know, deal with my roommate, pick up like all my stuff, my clothes. Just it was a mess, and then he had to go to the. This is all during a pandemic, you know. <laughs> oh my so god, he's poor like, guy! What a trooper, <laughs> dude! I swear he was a he was the most chill friend ever, like one of the best friends, and uh, and and went to the post office, shipped my big lights, my tripod, my my camp, my GH five, four K camera. Like these are things I needed so bad to do all this stuff. So I got my stuff like maybe a few weeks ago. Try to do it in my house. I'm like, dude, I got to get an office. So it's been like one thing after another, but now that I'm like, all, I, I, I was like finally set up to the point where I'm going to go get this new office. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just excited to create. Cause I used to go on stage every night, man. So it's wow, weird. Yeah. It's weird for me not to be, not to just go on stage, but not to create. So, um, the Especially pod- if you're doing it every night. Wow. Every night, you know, and, and, and I'm competitive, you know, I, I was in it to be the best and I feel like I was on the track to become one of the elite comics in the country and that's the cool thing about youtube is um when you upload clips it, it just goes to a bigger audience man you i have messages from people all over the world because they saw my special and um it's exciting you know and i want to be able to just do that on a weekly basis with the podcast reach people all over the the country slash world and hopefully when this is over tour i just want to go on tour isn't uh, that kind of like a new thing though is it like i feel like that's kind of a new think for comedians is to be uploading their material to YouTube. I feel like before you wouldn't see it as much, but within like the past one or two years, it seems like kind of like the content play. Yeah. The business model changed, man. Now it's all about how big is your audience. And, mm. um, the, the bigger your audience, the more leverage you have in the business because, um, back in the day you make your money off, like selling your special to a network. Now you make money kind of like a, a SoundCloud rapper. You make money on live shows and merch. So it's the same thing with us. Like I make my money on ticket sales and merch. That's it. So anytime mm. I, I produce anything, the end goal pre COVID was, was, um, what do you call it? Uh, ticket sales for shows right now. Anything I tell me time I put something out, it's like YouTube subscribers. How do I get YouTube subscribers? That's I it. I feel you on that one. <laughs> so it's like, cause like I want to be able to upload something and it just gets a certain amount and you know, I got ad revenue coming in now weekly to the point where it's like, it's not like crazy, but it's enough where I'm like, all right, there's a future in this with just YouTube checks. So it's like, dude, that's, that's better than doing comedy on zoom. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the YouTube checks get crazy because it, it feels like it's exponential, but then you get to a point where you can get sponsors and shit. And then you're like, Oh, like you kind of, 
Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool situation when, yeah, you like, you reach the people you want to reach and like the type of business partners that you want to work with kind of gravitate towards you. And it kind of, it's almost like finding your voice on stage. You kind of find your affiliates that match your swag and your style. And I think that's kind of where I'm like, after watching my special, I feel like a lot of people get kind of get an idea of like, my personality and who my beliefs and you know, whether they want to work with me or not, that's kind of like an ideal situation. It's like you do just watch my special. That's what I'm saying. If anyone doesn't know me, dude, just go ahead and watch my special son of an ice cream man. And it, no, nah, for real. Cause like I've, I'm in a lot of situations where like, you know, I meet people like you who might not know me or you're like, Oh, introduce yourself to the audience. I'd rather the audience just, yo, just go watch my special, man. You know I mean, I, I, I could, cause to me it's corny to be like, yeah, I'm a comedian. I've been doing comedy for eight years. It's like, you know, uh, it's like, dude, I, I, I've been in that, especially coming from this area where being a comedian is, um, you know, not that uh, prevalent. You know what I mean? And it's, it's definitely not, not a common occupation. I, I, I went through a lot to get to where I'm at as far as like having this be my career. So the last thing I want to do is explain what I do. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, man. I mean, they're like, cause the nine out of 10 times you tell someone you're a comedian, you're like, really? Like that's your real job. And it's like, yeah, that's my real job. And, and then they it's, probably follow that up with some bullshit like, tell me a joke. You yeah, know. I mean, nine out of ten times, that's what happens. So it's like, but the cool thing is, it is my job. And, you know, I don't got to really uh, do anything. <laughs> like, to, I don't got to prove anything to anyone because I'm fortunate. I've done enough where I'm able to move the way I want to move. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, you know, no that's disrespect, beautiful, but I, yeah, I didn't have to do this podcast if I don't want. It's not going to make or break. You know what I mean? But that's. That's a freedom for an artist. 100%. That's, like, that's the best yeah. feeling for an artist. Like I do this podcast because, you know, I like meeting new people right now. It's a, it's a cool organic thing, but there's no worse feeling than doing stuff that you don't want to do. Um, cause that's why you get into this uh, art to begin with. That's why you get into like comedy or music because you don't want to work in the traditional, uh, environment, you know? So that's kind of where yeah. I'm at with the podcasting. Yeah. Everyone listening, you don't know this, but I actually have a guy sitting outside Martin's house right now with a gun pointed to his window. So he'd make sure to come on this podcast. Yeah, man. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, dude, like I really have a lot of love for this area. Um, but getting to where I, I'm at right now, it took a long time. So it kind of, there's a, there's a definitely, there was a cost to it, you know, for sure. A lot sure. of sacrifice to get to those kinds of places. Dude, it's like you, you've, you've, you've trans, bro. you've transcended the DMV sort of like bubble. Cause it, I'm sure you've seen it all the time. It's like, there's people who are like doing it, doing cool things, crushing it. But it seems like they keep hitting this ceiling. Like, like they, like for some reason they just can't get out, but you seem to escape that matrix. Well, I had, I had the, um, the good fortune of spending time in LA before I started comedy in DC. I lived in LA for two years. Mm. Uh, I have an older cousin who's, who's very well known in comedy. And I was able to go on to like, watch him blow up and then kind of understand what it takes to, to, to get it to the next level. So that was my um, competitive advantage of like kind of seeing, you know, being at the comics table at the Laugh Factory before I was even in comedy, like hanging out with like Dane Cook or Neil Brennan, Bobby Lee, and, and learning from like those type of people. Wow, you were in those rooms like at a young age? Yeah, I was at the, I was at the uh, you know, at the table. I, I played basketball with Mike Epps at my gym, you know, living in LA. <laughs> You know, if you're from Silver Spring, the idea of playing two-on-two -two with Mike Epps and his friend 
versus me and my cousin is like crazy. But if you live in LA and you go to Sports Club LA in uh, in West, you know, in West LA on Pico mm-hmm. and Olympic, Mike Epps goes there, and you just play pickup basketball because normal. Yeah, it's 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 regular thing where you're just guarding Mike Epps. And, uh, you know, for a kid who went to Kennedy high school, it's like that would never happen. But when you live in LA, you get exposure to that, that, that those things can happen. So I played poker with Makai Pfeiffer, you know, uh, because I was, my dry cleaner invited me to his card game. Dude, that's so cool. And it's so casual for someone like you just like, Oh no, it's just casual. Like people, up there, I mean, you gotta say that's good, but me even saying it is kind of like surreal. But when I was in LA, you get like, my last show at the comedy store, Bill Burr performed on my show. Like I introduced Whoa. Bill Burr. He like just he just walked in. He said, "Hey, can I do your show?" I was like, "Yes, you could do my show." And that would only happen at the comedy store in LA. So, when you get exposure like that, you move different in DC. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't get caught up in the um the, the, the small wins because like you can easily get comfortable being like, yo, I'm the best in DC, but it's like, that's not, that shouldn't be your goal. It should always be like, like that, bigger. Yeah. That kind of feels like a weird flex to do all that and come back to see like, I'm the man. It's like, nah, you, you don't want that kind of like, you don't want to push that out there like that. Yeah. I mean, again, every artist is different, but if you're trying to make it outside of DC, you got to look, you got to look bigger. You got to look for, you know, you got to look to a bigger market. Mm. Like definitely have your hometown back you. But don't let this dictate your, you know, your all your energy. Be like, yo, this shouldn't be it. You should be striving for, you know, L.A., New York, and then world tour. Like, like, don't think small. Like, don't think like I just want to be. I want to kill the local comedy scene. Like, I want to kill the comedy scene and yeah, then transcend. I yeah, but I don't want to call DC small because it's definitely not a small. Mm. It's a big deal to to. It's a hard city to 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 really master, man. Um, and to, to, to have fans in DC is a big deal, bro. Uh, it took what me a long you say time. That? It's just not an easy city to get behind you. I mean, look at logic, that's look at, look at, you know, cool. look at Wale, look at any artist that's made it out of the DMV. Like how hard was it for them to have fans? They had to go to other cities to blow up in their mm, own. Town. Yeah. Yeah. Our economy is very much like political driven. So to capture that tiny section of the market, it's like, it's a little more difficult than it might be. Yeah, it's not, it's not, like I said, it's not for everyone, but if you can make it out of DC, man, uh, you, you, you're in a good spot. I think you have a good shot at, at, at making a career out of it for sure. So you said, so you said you started it eight years ago. What was the early stages of doing comedy in DC like for you? Oh man, it was brutal. I mean, it, it just was like early on, you're just trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to carve out your own spot on certain shows that, don't necessarily want you on. And at the time I was, you know, trying to break in and it took, you know, just like any other story, uh, a lot of, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work. Um, a few years before I got my first big break. Uh, and yeah. What, is it, what, what does it mean to break in? Is that kind of like you get recognized by the community? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Um, becoming a guy who is consistent and people want to book mm. and, and and that's really i mean cuz you know you, you can argue there's certain people that are funny but like funny to the point where like you're not a liability and um when people pay money you're not going to let the booker down 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Like they have that confidence you that the dollars are worth it when you're paying yeah. for that big hunt. Yeah. And then for every spot, there's like 10 to 20 comics who want that spot, who are all go trying to write jokes to be that guy. And so you're literally going toe to toe with these guys every night, trying to outdo them, trying to, you know, make the crowd laugh more than the last person. And um, mm. it could become very competitive. It could become very unhealthy. But, you know, eventually, once you break in, um, it's not as, you know, not as, like, dramatic every night. You know, once I'm at a place where, like, I walk in. It's like, all right, everyone knows me, my spot. But that's when you got to move, you know? Once really? You, like, like, you kind of sense it? You got to that spot where you're like, damn, I, I'm kind of past this? Yeah, one other, yeah. The moment you have noth- nobody to, you know kind of compete with or prove anything or you're in at all the comedy clubs that's when you got to go to another city and really just you know like la where i went and build your name up to the point where you're you're back at the bottom you're back at the bottom no one knows who you are you got to go up and same 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 thing you got to out funny the next person out funny the you know to the point where people remember who you are and then they want to have you on their show and that's what was going on in LA for me. When my first six months, I was there for six months and I built a name for myself in six months. So I was able to, you know, make a lot of headway and my shows were selling out because of my, my following on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, wow. Yeah, it was a cool situation, man. It was a really cool situation. And right now I'm excited to bring that energy to the podcasting and kind of like bring everyone in. Cause I think podcasting is a great, uh, medium to to bring people closer and kind of create a community kind of like we did with our live shows mm-hmm. so I'm, and, I'm, and, and reach a lot more people it's like yeah 1000 percent reach that's kind of what i that gives me a glimmer of hope for myself in terms of like giving me that fuel because it's nothing like performing like big kind like you know you perform for like pack show seven to eighty dc improvs 280 people it's like such an adrenaline rush, right? I mean, that won't happen for a while, you know, until things start to loosen up, you know, with, with, with the laws. But what can get me just as excited, if not more, is just seeing, you know, the numbers on the podcast reach more than the amount of people that I'm performing for, you know? If a thousand people watch a podcast, that's such a cool feeling because that means, yeah, like, you know, it's it like... Is. You're just people are enjoying it. They're, you're reaching it, and you're just being yourself for an hour at a time, and they get to hear your stories. And it's not the same format as a stand-up comedy show, but it's still kind of like entertainment, and and that's kind of, that's really exciting. The idea it seems of that. so yeah, it seems so perfect for comedians. Like it's such like a natural segue. Is oh, you talk for a living? Just talk on a vid, just talk on a camera and put it to the world, and you never freaking know who's gonna watch it. Yeah, but a lot of comics for different reasons. Like a, some comics don't master their voice, and then secondly, a lot of comics don't have the business background to even execute a podcast. Because there's a lot that goes into logistically and, and yeah, just making is. sure the quality is good and all that stuff and. Uh, it's challenging. I mean, comics have such ADD. It's like the idea of doing anything sometimes is just overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it, whenever I think of like the comedians doing content, I always look at how Andrew Scholes has been has been moving. It kind of seems like he really has a down pat, and he really kind of grew himself off at the back of that content. Yeah, dude, he um, he's definitely a guy you know I look up to and reference as far as the blueprint. He really um sped up the the shift in comedy uh I, I was fortunate enough to you know 
open for him and, and, and become kind of close with him, like as far as like being able to text and stuff. Uh, but he's he's just like uh, yeah, he's definitely like a good reference for for comics trying to have a career, basically. I love that his his new uh, style of video he's been doing, where he kind of has like the prompt on the screen and he kind of does this like monologue. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, love that style. It's so 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 like original to me. I mean, it's original, but at the same time, if you think about it, it's just it's the same formula we've seen for the past forty years, as far as going back to uh, Johnny Carson, late night you know monologue oh, that's true it's that's dude true. that's all it is it's just a monologue he's taking something that <laughs> worked like for 50 years six more think back to who before johnny carson and uh to the guys from the 50s and 60s but just put a a, a 2020 t- twitter energy spin on it you know that's and, a good way to look at it yeah yeah because wow, you're bringing like old format it's yeah one dude one thousand percent but that's just it's he's bringing it to the new medium Instagram and Twitter, you know, that's, that's what a lot of these guys should have been doing. And, uh, some of them just couldn't keep, you got to keep, keep evolving with the new times, man. It's tough. Like a lot of comics aren't using zoom right now, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's podcasts or stand up or whatever, these guys are just waiting for things to go back. And it's like, bro, it ain't going to go back the way you want it to go back. It's done. Uh, you can't wait around these days. Like, I feel like if you wait too long, it's, you're, you're going to become irrelevant, bro, which is going to be terrible. Irrelevant. You can't wait. It's, that's why I'm doing this shit. Because like, this is like, nah, because it's like, you, you, you know, you get picky. Then if you're waiting for the right person to interview you or talk to you, it's like, bro, you're going to be waiting for a while, bro. Like, you might as well just you know, pull the trigger on some of these things and just put some stuff out there. So if there's no, any, 100%. Any, any artist out there who's like waiting for the right time to put out their mixtape or start comedy or do it, bro, just do that shit, man. This shit ain't nobody waiting, bro. You got to go. You got to go chase them. Because like, if you literally sat around this like for how many more months and you literally did nothing to expand your brand, that's suicide. But if you were smart like you or I mean, I hate to give myself credit sometimes where you, you worked on your brand, try to reach more people and like reach a new audience. Then when you go back to whatever that normal is, now you have more access to more people. And it's like, who won? Dude, thousand percent, bro. Thousand percent. And even if you're you can take this time to like watch YouTube tutorials, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Watch how to build your channel. Watch how to how to get into comedy. Watch how to like, you know, how to start a podcast. There's like you could literally just type in how to. There's thousands of way, videos and tutorials to teach you how to get into everything. Um, you know, I got a background in film. So what I'm doing oh, is I'm, I'm bringing the film and the comedy and putting it into a vlog. That's my, that's, I have an idea for a web series I'm going to start called The Unemployed Comedian. Basically, <laughs> it's about a guy who used to do comedy every night getting back into film because he has no outlets so i'm basically taking my audience and taking them on a journey with me to getting back into film projects and i'm i'm relearning like you know the new cameras i used to work with the 5d mark ii i had a red camera but now i got a gh5 so i'm going to try to do wow i'm trying to do film with my new camera so i'm going to teach uh the audience basically what i'm learning along the way and showing them like you know new things that i'm working on you know to go with the comedy background so you know me as a comedian but now let's see what I can do as uh, a director. Cause I've shot videos for Phil I day and Chaz French. I directed their videos uh, a few years ago before, you wow. know, before the comedy took off. Yeah. They asked me to be Wale's um, camera guy f- 
three years ago and I turned it down because um, it wasn't enough money. And also like uh, I wanted to focus on stand up. And so, but now I think I want to really get back into film. And, and, and seems like a great time. I mean, I like that, that concept. I love how you're turning something that could easily be like an insecurity into like a, 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 a like an asset into the new form of vlogging that you're going to do. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, I think we live in a time where it's like, you just got to be authentic and share your story and see who like really identify. Cause that's what, that was, that's what worked for me in standup. The suit, as soon as I started sharing my background and how I grew up and the fact that my dad is an ice cream truck driver and, and I drove an ice cream truck and I'm just trying to do comedy with immigrant parents and all that stuff. People really started to gravitate towards me. And I, I built up an audience where now people want to hear what I have to say. And I think that's, I think a key for a lot of people who are trying to get into to any type of medium is like, just put your, put your, put your truth out there. Cause you'll be surprised at how many people could, could identify with that. Yeah, I definitely noticed that watching a lot of your films uh, and different clips you had out there, you you referenced your Iranian and Bolivian background a lot, and it, it, that just seemed like such a strong cornerstone of your set. So it was really interesting. Yeah, dude. I mean, because there's not a lot of Bolivian Iranians out there, comedians, bro. <laughs> there really aren't. Just, it's so unique. Just general, like who you know, even podcasting, bro. All my favorite podcasters are white, and there's nothing wrong with being white. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit wrong with it's it, true. but it's like, <laughs> especially right now, if but it's like, bro, media. if you trying to like, let's say you're like a young Latin dude trying to like come up in this business of podcasting or vlogging or comedy or me, it's like, bro, like all these guys are white, son. Like that's the voice. <laughs> that's the voice of our generation is a white guy. Come on. That don't, that don't feel like that's what's happening right now. You know what I mean? Like it don't feel up to date. Not saying Have there's anything wrong with that. that. But it's like, bro, like, I and I, I listen to him. I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen, to, I listen to Schultz. I listen to Theo Vaughn, The Fighter and the Kid, Tim Dillon. I listen to all those guys. But it's like, yo, there's no one that looks like me doing this shit. There's no like, there's no like ethnic perspective that grew up from like silver. Bro, there's no like, it's such a unique like immigrant story perspective. It's like, nothing. And it's like, I'm trying to explain to my audience. It's like, bro, there's a reason why y'all fuck with me, and you need to continue to fuck with me because we going to the top, and I. I need to tell these stories, you know, it's, it's, it's so imperative for there to be diversity. And it's not because it's not no status quo or like society pushed diversity. It's t having, we need original stories that's not been told before. Like, you know what I mean? We can only hear the same things being said by the same type of guy over and over and over. It's like, yo, this shit gets repetitive, man. Yeah. Even so, stuff like your ice cream story. I, I loved that one ep that one show you did. I think it was called Laugh Tracks, where they put they like yeah they didn't animate it, but they did like an actual visual of of the joke you're telling. I was like, dude, that's so next level. Bro, I auditioned for that in DC and I got it, and I, they flew me out to LA to film that. Dude, that was so cool. That felt like a, like the next level of comedy in a way. I was like, that was so entertaining. Yeah, bro, that shit that shit was dope. And you know, looking back on it. I feel like I could have even done a better job. That was 2017, 2018. Yeah, you looked a lot younger in that video. Yeah, I was, I was shaving and everything, like baby bro, face. Bro, I was, I was, I was ready, man. I, I was, I was ready to blow up back then. You know, <laughs> now I'm like, hey, man, I might have to lean into this podcasting thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have no choice right now. I, I, I'm doing the same thing. At, at the beginning of it, I was like, oh, I was like, fuck. I was like, what am I gonna do? I was like, wait a minute. The 
it's, it's, it's kind of sweeter because now when I talk to artists, like different artists, especially like visual artists, I could pull up a photo right on the screen. Yeah. And we could talk about it directly. I'm just like, it's kind of a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about adapting and evolving to the environment, man. It's, I can't emphasize that enough, man. So like, I hate seeing people who are lazy. That shit drives me crazy. I hate that Oh shit. my God, dude. Those posts that are like, it's okay to do nothing during quarantine and just discover yourself. I'm like, yeah i mean i mean to, to to counter that though like if that was like the first month i I, I could get True. it i could go because i was one of those people i was like yo bro like my life changed dramatically i was in la and now i'm back i had just, you know i work i had worked six seven years in a row to move out of my parents house as a comedian worked my way up got the show at the comedy store that's like you know what i mean next level shit now that's i'm back at my parents house <laughs> Like after I did everything, I, I did all the work and I'm like, this is the year, baby. Your boy's out. <laughs> and then a pandemic because someone ate a bat in China. I'm back in my parents' house. How fucked up is that? How crazy yeah, dude, is that? It's so crazy. It's like everyone's trajectory. And then all of a sudden it's like a big, a big walls put onto it and you just got to go around it. And that going around it is like this new sort of adventure. Yeah, bro. It's, it's going to be fine. You just got to, it's just, you know what it is? It's just work, bro. It's just work. And it sucks to say it like that, but it's a lot of work and even like the things that like you don't want to you don't might not look at it as work it's work like you know learning how to you know adjust to uncomfortable situations that's work you know it might not come off as work but like learning how to be productive during not ideal work environments you know what do you mean man we could just sit around and get that unemployment check why work well i'll tell you what though man you know if you're if you're not working on good habits bro when this is all said and done and the unemployment dries up you're you're you know again it all depends on what your goals in life are because i got i got a, i got a i got a lot of homies that are very regular you know what i mean and there's nothing wrong with being regular no i'm you're laughing but i'm being dead serious i got some regular i got some regular ass friends bro <laughs> super regular and there, if you talk to them, they got some regular thoughts and some regular feelings. And, you know, and I, that's why they're regular. And it's like, yo, there's nothing. I, sometimes I envy regular people because they got regular problems. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't got regular problems. I got like fucking comedian problems. Like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to record a podcast in my car on my iPhone, bro. Like, cause all my, my equipment and my XLR, my zoom recorders in my fucking LA apartment. I'm stuck in Gaithersburg, Maryland because of quarantine. Like, those are some comedian-ass problems. Yelling at my dad, I need to do a Zoom comedy show in the living room so he needs to stop watching NCIS and, and, and go upstairs. Like, that, that's some weird, that's a weird-ass 2020 quarantine problems. Some content creator problems because now you're worrying about shit that you never thought you'd like, like oh, the, the cord was disconnected. Now I got no audio. God like yeah bro you got a whole new pro whole new slew of problems now quarantine problems immigrant problems you know uh but it's like that's just that's where we at as a country bro as, as a as a as a world that's a global problem i'm sure there's some kid in fucking france yelling at his dad in french papa i need to work on my podcast get out of here get out of here go eat the croissant <laughs> Go eat croissant, papa. Right? It's like, why does podcasting feel so exclusive to America? 
Oh, it's not, man. It's not. It's 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 the way. It's the future. This shit went full circle. We went from like not wanting to communicate, you know what I mean, to text to emojis, back to like long form ass conversations. How crazy is that? I never thought about it like that. That's very true. Like we're all of a so, sudden, we're humans are so fucking weird, man. We're so weird, bro. Like we we want things fast, but then we want long. But then we listen to long conversations to of strangers, complete strangers. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's like we want the quick the the quick YouTube cuts, but we want to listen to a three hour podcast of two people talking. Yeah, it's it's fucking insane. But you know, I'm here to provide that. If that's what you guys want, you know, for 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 ten dollars on my Patreon. I will provide you with conversations every week with my Dude, DJ. The, pa- the Patreon move is such an interesting new sort of move for content creators. Yeah, I think um, it's a way for like the way I, I it's a tool for me that I'm going to start to utilize within the next few weeks once I get the new uh, studio set up to kind of speak my truth. Like right now I'm speaking my truth, but you know, for $10 a month, I will say I will speak my mind a little bit more. You see what I'm saying? Whereas like less PC or something? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, just because for a comedian, you rely on certain uh, corp industry uh, outlets to help your career, you know? Mm. But if you're fully funded by Patreon, it's like the difference between Bernie Sanders and, and, and Joe Biden. You know what I mean? Like Bernie was saying some wild shit because the people were funding his campaign. Joe Biden can't say the same things Bernie was saying because he's getting funded by all the corporations. You feel me? So they're going to, their, their speeches are going to sound a lot different. Yeah. There's, there's like a level of freedom to where when you, when you're making it all yourself, no one can really tell you what you can and can't right. say. Right. You're in control. And especially important for you, someone in your, your position where it's like, you ha- kind of have to sometimes touch subjects that are uncomfortable, but do it in like a, sl- a special way. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, even, and, but see, even if you do it in a special way, there's always going to be people angry. No matter what. Mm. So if I have people, you know, patron patroning my, my, my art for 10 a month now, you know, they all are kind of already in, they're like investing in my career almost. They're like, all right, Martin, here's the money. Now say what you say, go ahead and, and keep speaking your truth. Cause that's what we want to hear. And, and, and that empowers me to continue to do that as opposed to like, I don't want to say play it safe, but you know, uh, trying to minimize the amount of people I piss off. Put it like that. So, so when, you, when you're like writing jokes, or I don't know how you come up with your material, are you consciously like censoring yourself sometimes from from like certain bits and stuff? Are you kind of saying like, "Ooh, I don't know if I should go down that route." Like, I mean, er- like a- I'm sh- for sure early on, like w- when I was trying to carve out my spot, you can't be the guy saying like, "Not all racism is bad racism." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then like, just hear me out, and then it's like, "Yo," because it's obviously a joke. But you don't, a, you don't know me like that. You don't know I don't have a. a a catalog of jokes to back up my funny. So everyone's like, what the, who the fuck is this guy with this premise? And then, um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm very fortunate. I have enough comedy out there that, you know, enough people understand it and appreciate it and, and, and can back me up right now. So that's, a, that's something I'm genuinely very grateful for. Even, yeah. while, even while I'm at my parents' house. That was something I noticed that you're really good at doing. Like while I was watching your stuff, is you would like say something that was almost like very controversial, but then you'd flip it in like in a very smart way, like just get away from what you what everyone thought you were about to be 
politically incorrect about. Yeah, dude, I mean, because like, I just like being ignorant, like in a, in a fun, fun way. And I can reel it back with some smart facts, but co- I don't know when comedy had to be so smart. Like, I'm a smart dude, but I'm not the smartest. If I was smarter, I would not have chosen a path in comedy. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a very brutal, like, career. I would have gone something, I would have played it, you know, something a little bit less contra, you know, tough. But yeah, dude, I, I think comedy should be fucking fun, man. I don't understand why people are so sensitive right now. I mean, it's just, I guess it's the nature of the environment. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like I ha- I've definitely heard a lot less from the very PC controlling people during this whole thing. Yeah, well, that's because there's bigger problems right now. That's a fact. It's fucking, it's fucking hard to tweet when your fucking electricity's not working. <laughs> like, fuck, man. That's some funny, that's some, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get mad about that. It's but, so hard to be like, screw Donald Trump when you're filing for his unemployment. Like, ah, oh, maybe I just Yeah, them it. stimulus checks make you feel different. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When I got that first unemployment check, I'm like, yo, this is more money than I ever made in comedy, son. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing about photography. I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Are, are you a photographer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's like my main business. But I would slowly love to be able to just do podcasts and do YouTube content and stuff full time. But I kind of like how they coincide a lot. So, dude, there's yeah. I mean, it's a that's a great great thing to be in right now. Photography and well, it's not a great thing to be in right now. <laughs> we're we're very much in the same situation. That's true. No, I think it's easier to photograph people than it is to perform for audience members. That's true. That's very true. But I, I will say that um, I started going down like the route of like a, of event production and doing art shows. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's tough. But I'm saying you could still do like solo, you know, photo sh- headshots and for you know, social distancing f- photography. Yeah, <laughs> got this long lens from across the football field. Yeah, just move a little through that. Yeah, nah. I mean, I'm, I've been I've been hanging around people. I mean, it's not like large groups, but I've been groups of two, three, four. No, I definitely have to. I can't. I can't isolate anymore. I'm done with that shit. Yeah, it's over. I think. I think even government officials are realizing it's over. They're like, but just like the general consensus among people, just like, eh. Yeah, because I mean, it's like on one hand you're trying to save lives, but on the other hand, it's like you're dealing with people who just want to get back out to work, and it's like, what are the, you know what I mean? Like the the the, the pros and cons. So you were saying that comedy is like really brutal. What about it makes it such like a brutal industry? Um, you're just dealing with like all types of personalities. It's like the full spectrum from mm-hmm. like artists to like, you know, comedy show producer slash promoter to like fans. It's so crazy, man. It's crazy. It's just like the wild shit. And then like comedians are just... It's wild. It's a wild breed, man. Some eccentrics in there, bro. It's tough. And then you know, I am who I am, and it's like there's a lot of people who might not understand who I like understand me. You know, I might write people the wrong way, but it's one of those things where you just gotta be true to yourself. And then the right, like I said, the right people gravitate towards you. I mean, from an outsider perspective looking in at someone like yourself, I would think that the brutalness of how you were saying like performing every day or performing maybe multiple times a night 
and then on top of that, having material that's kind of always on the cutting edge and then dealing with getting booked and dealing with this now dealing with content. Like that's, that's a crazy grind. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you said it in a more eloquent way than I would, you know, um, but it's the getting on stage isn't it's the performing for me isn't the challenge. It's like the process of be, to be in that situation where you can't perform every night. That's kind of where like the brutalness comes from, mm. you know, getting those opportunities to be able to go on stage every night. That's the, that's the hard part. And do you, how do you get those? Same thing. What I was saying earlier. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of nuance involved. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of moving and shaking. There's a lot of, you know, uh, just, you know, behind the scenes craziness behind the curtain shit, you know, that's what I mean. One one can only imagine. I it's, it's one of those industries I look at from a distance, like, dang, I have no idea how they do that. I don't know. And it's like, anytime you see a TV show, you try to like replicate it, like crashing on HBO or like, uh, that show on Showtime, I'm dying up here. It's like, it's hard to replicate it, man. Especially like the way I did, like as a mind, like from a minority point of view, mm-hmm. it's just a different energy, man. It's just different. Like in any, I, in any field, in any field, minorities trying to get opportunities and become like the per- the main person is not is is an uphill battle. You know what I mean? That shit is not it's not it's not easy. I mean, honestly, I never thought about it until you pointed it out that some of the biggest comedians and comedian driven podcasts are all white dudes. Dude, does and, and and it's not even coming from a place of like I enjoy their stuff. You're just pointing it out, but it's like, bro, like there's def- there's definitely different voice. I mean, it's like, but look, we have the tools to to do it, but like, it's like, how do you execute? You know, how do you, is there an infrastructure for someone like me to kind of come up or do you have to just build it yourself from the ground up without any validation from someone else, you know, to help you expedite that process? You know what I mean? That's where I'm at. Building it from the ground up to where I was, where I was because of, relationships I forged from the, from, from, from zero. And, uh, that's what made it to me more commendable because it was self-built. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's what, that's what makes my podcast really exciting because we can really educate a lot of people on just how to make it, man. For real. Like, despite what happened, I'm still making, I'm still successful in this field. And that's like the coolest thing about this whole situation no matter what, I still get five to 10,000 views on my special every day. Like it's exciting. It's exciting. Also, we're in a time when people really want to be entertained. Yeah, Being a man. content creator right now is a great idea. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, why not, bro? Why not? You know? Was there ever a time like in your, like the early days of your come up in DC where you kind of had like second thoughts about being a comedian? Oh, dude, all the time, man. I mean, not all the time, but like, there's definitely nights where you're like after a show, you're like a heckler. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? Why is this worth it? Then you see your friends get married and like have kids and get a mortgage. You're like, man, but like, even after this whole pandemic situation, I'm so grateful that I was chasing my dreams as opposed to playing it safe. Cause I can't imagine being in my house in quarantine with my wife and kids having a dumbass job. 
and just being like, fuck, man, this is it. And, you know, at least like me, I'm like, well, you know, I ain't got no kids. I ain't got no mortgage. So if shit hits the fan, I ain't got no obligations right now. So that's kind of like a... a it's freedom in a way. Dude, I love freedom, man. I love it. You know, it's, I, it's I, like, it's everything. I, I like having options, all right? I, you know, call me call me difficult, but I enjoy, you know, do I want to get Chick-fil-A or do I want to go to Smoothie King? You know? It's a tough one. If I had a kid, he's probably going to say some dumb shit like Burger King. And I don't <laughs> have to say like, man, shut up, man. We're getting smoothies today. You know, a Psy God Energizer. God forbid he wants to go to Wendy's. You're like, oh, shit, this is not my kid. Yeah, this kid is an idiot. So, yeah, dude, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to have fun, not take shit too seriously, get some subscribers along the way, and just, you know, fucking, that's it. That's it, man. That's not, you know, that's the story of Martin Amini. You know, I ain't really tripping off nothing much. I, I mean, I feel that. I, I just, I, I love to see it, man. I love to see you out there, like, killing it. Especially when I saw you're from this area. Like, when I hit you up, I was just sort of like, damn, like, I wonder if this guy's even going to reply. This dude's out in L.A. I'm trying to, uh, well, I'm, hey, I'm back in town. I don't know for how long, but I'm kind of trying to rebuild myself in this area. Meaning, like, wait this out to see like what happens because <laughs> like nobody knows what's going on we're like three months into this and a lot of we have more questions than answers we're more confused now than we were three months ago did you see the uh the mayor bowser rollout plan the phases or the stages at all yeah i think a lot of it is erroneous like Pretty crazy yeah it's not it, i don't think it was coming from a place of of of, of logic i think it was just coming from a place of like we just got to show visuals and pictures and something needed to come out kind of like, well, like we just need something to show people that we're thinking about it. Right. Because if you look at the, 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 the fine print, <clears throat> the whole, the 25% in restaurants, it's like, dude, that can't even cover like the staff. Dude, exactly. That's the same. That's the first thing I thought I was like, you can't have a restaurant open and have operating costs and then be like, you got to sit six feet apart or you can only sit outside. It doesn't like, make any it. sense. It's difficult, man. So I think what's going to happen is the politicians are just going to give in and just say, fuck it. And people will get sick, but we'll just deal with it. It's going to suck. But like, we're just going to like, we're just going to deal with it, man. It's, it's a really bad situation. It's not the best situation ever, but I think after being in quarantine for two, three months, I think people are willing to risk it, man. <laughs> I, I i really do i think people are just saying fuck it i want to go to cheesecake factory i need <laughs> cheesecake i need to yell at a waiter i haven't yelled at anyone in months and uh this is my this is my freedom i'm an american i pay my taxes i should be allowed to yell at my server about my bread and yeah right people are like i want to go to that bar and pay 15 dollars for that cocktail dude it's it's crazy but i'm not even a drinker like that but i want to go to a bar and just you know hang out I miss just fucking loud places. You know what I mean? I mean, as a comedian, I do a lot of shows at Big Hunt, a bar. And dude, I miss that whole vibe, man. I want to drink a shot of Jameson and just get a little fucked up right now. Like, there's, I can't wait to get fucked up at a bar. Dude, I can't imagine how friendly everyone's going to be when everyone can kind of go back. Can you imagine how fun going out will be? I mean, I'm probably on the opposite. Like, yo, dog, don't get too close. You know what I mean? I <laughs> My uh, my sister's boyfriend, he's like in the backyard working on a new deck uh, at, at the house, at my dad's house, you know. He was like, he came in for like a little like water break and he like coughed like three times in a row. And I'm like, yo, bro, like, 
Three times in a row. Like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, what you mean? I'm like, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but <laughs> you just coughed three times in a row. Is there, are you feeling okay? Should we take your temperature? You know? <laughs> Like coughing's controversial now. <laughs> con- yo, it's it's tri- it's triggering. You cough in front of me, we're gonna have a problem. We're gonna have I a just problem. Am- I imagine myself being somewhere like at a concert when all this is over, and and like you feel like a like a like I might have like hit a joint or something and a cough. I'm like just like trying to take, yeah. trying to suppress that bad boy. I think you know what it is, man. It's gonna take some time mentally for a lot of people to get comfortable. I don't. I'm not as um, optimistic as you as far as like the positivity. Mm. I, th- I think there is a lot of tension right now. I think there's a lot of sexual tension. I think there's a lot of mental te- tension. I think there's going to be a lot of fights, but we need to get it out of our system. And what better way to get it out of our system than going to see Martin Amini live at the DC Improv, you know? That's a big fact. That that will probably be the first thing I do as soon as I can. I think a lot. I mean, it's one of those things where we don't know until it happens, but I could promise you I'm gonna be podcasting to keep the name up, cause uh, yeah, I miss the microphones, bro. I got to talk on a mic. I can't, you know, I can't not. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I really do hope everyone, you know, finds their purpose in life and just, uh, you know, stops complaining and just random question. But how did you know you wanted to be a comedian? Like, what was that thing? Um, I think I had like an identity crisis at the age of 24, 25, and I just needed to try something. I was a drug dealer for a long time before comedy, so I just needed to get out of that life. And being a comedian seemed like the most logical, you know, pivot Mm -hmm. to like a job that doesn't have a boss. (laughs) I'm not a, I can't rap or I can't sing. And my cousin was a comedian, so I was like, I thought I was funny. And I was like, well, he's successful. I could become successful. And so, like, uh, that's how I chose comedy. It wasn't, like, a, a cool moment or anything like that. It was just I ran out of – I was running out of time and running out of options. So I, I figured just go all in. Wow. And so then you were just like, let me try and get on some open mics or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And I went up. It was just straight, like, straight winging it, bro. No plan, just go in. Because there comes a time when you got to start, you got to pull the trigger, man, at some juncture in your life. And like being a, like a weed dealer into my late 20s and early 30s was just not a good look. And um, yeah, I figured comedian is more respectable. Yeah, instead of dealing some, some, some bud, deal some jokes. Yeah. Get it legally, you know? Yeah, 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 man. You know, I mean, there's nothing to, there's, I personally think weed's cool. I mean, weed is like, it's a fine, I don't look at it as a drug personally. I don't think it's a big deal, but you get older, you realize, man, your career really defines you. You know, it's, it's an identity. I just don't want to be an old weed dealer. It's just something about it. I don't, mm, it didn't, of- didn't sit right with me. Yeah, it's, it's like unless you're gonna become the guy who starts like the grow up business and becomes that guy, just being like a street weed dealer. No, I I was that guy. I was a heavy oh, duty. What? Yeah, I was I was heavy duty, bro. I was you know farms and everything. I was. Oh whoa! That's why I was in California. I had like access to menace. I, I was I can't get into details, but I was I was like on the high. I was you know ten twenty thousand dollars a week type of situation. Mm. So I had money. I was making lots of money. 
I was always business. I, mean, I was always very business savvy. I mean, that's some real hustler shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm very successful. What can I say, Bruce? I'm very successful in life. I'm a, win- <laughs> I, I'm a winner. Uh, I don't lose. <laughs> I'm an overachiever. You know what I mean? That's why I, that's why I tell people you got to sign up for my Patreon because I'm very successful. You know, granted, I'm back at my parents' house right now temporarily, but once I get this new office today and I start my podcast, I'm going to look for uh, a spot in D.C. and build a new studio dedicated to podcasting and, and film and help. I want, I want to help young podcasters and uh, artists in D.C. I want to do consulting and stuff. So uh, hmm. I'm probably going to build out my own YouTube channel just for podcasts um, to help young artists with their, build their audience. Like a, like a, I want to build a, a, a podcast network. So hmm. that's going to be something for the D.C. area. And um, I will be announcing all that stuff soon. I think that's really cool. I've, I've had a few people try to like syndicate my show and I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't want you to control me. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense to control your thing, but I feel like unless that person's bringing value, like audience or better equipment or studio, you know, like that, uh, that to me is a, is a fair trade-off. And, um, yeah, man, just being affiliated with a winner, like Martin Amini and the overachievers, I think that's, that's something that you want, you know, you want to be aligned with the best brands possible. You're the you plug know? master. You know, Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Coca-Cola, Martin Amini. Yeah, Coca-Cola. Yeah, man. Blue Magic, that's me. Baby. Hey, I, I think the same thing. I'm like, Joe Rogan, no jumper. That's the angle. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I've met Joe. He's he's a cool guy. Very nice guy. I'm sure. I just think like, dude. I could do this. I'm, I'm just as good, if not better, than all of them, man. He just put in time. That's the only difference is he just put, put in, in time. Put in time, man. You got to put in time, baby. That's it. Dude, I remember being in high school and, and smoking butter with my buddies, and one of them would be like, yo, man, you got to listen to this podcast by Joe Rogan. Now we we're all just like, ah. You said, you, did you say that? Who said no, that? that wasn't me. It was my buddy Aaron. He was oh. like that dude on that tip. He was probably like some kid on steroids who liked kung fu. <laughs> he's like bro you gotta watch this fucking this guy is fucking the man he likes <laughs> fucks with dmt and fucking he kickboxes and shit hell yeah i think what you're gonna be do, what you're gonna do is really cool too because of your unique perspective because of that iranian believing perspective i think a lot of people will really mess with that yeah i mean i'll be i'll be honest i don't speak spanish or farsi uh but you know that's definitely a real background i definitely was at the parties I just, I'm a kid from the D.C. area, dude. I, I spend more time in D.C. than with people in Iran and Bolivia. So I think D.C. kind of gives you that unique background, to be honest. The DMV is a very eclectic place. That very diverse place, man, for yeah. sure. Dude, like nothing crushes my soul more than when I tell someone I'm Hispanic and they're like, do you speak Spanish? I'm like, nah. Then they go, you're not Hispanic. <laughs> oh my god i don't know what to say i'm like well you're kind of right but you're not yeah i mean bro it's like you just gotta be comfortable in your own skin and don't let anyone like make you feel a certain way mm-hmm. it's not it's not up to other people on how you feel about yourself you know right. what I mean? it's about how you feel about yourself that's why i learned in comedy bro you gotta just be comfortable in your own skin like people try to turn things on me all the time but it's like nah i'm cool i'm all right that's why you got like, you know, the most important thing at life, man, for real, real shit is like how you sleep at night. 
You know what I mean? You sleep good. You sleep peacefully. Mm. You you winning, bro. You winning. If you sleep good, like a little baby, uh, you're rich. Because I could tell you, I could tell you from experience, man. When I was making the most amount of money in my life, between like I was making like fifty, sixty thousand a month as a young kid in his twenties, I wasn't sleeping good. You know what I mean? I was worried. Wow. I was worried about getting arrested. I was worried about you know getting snitched on. And I got snitched on. I had, you know what I mean? I had to go see lawyers. I had to, I had to, you know, protect myself. Wow. And it's like, I've been held Real. at gunpoint three times. <sighs> so it's like, you get held at gunpoint three times, you change the way you, you think. And I sleep good right now, bro. I sleep good. You know what I mean? I'm a comedian podcaster. You know what I mean? That's, that's fine. That's fine with me. So. That- yeah, that's it's so funny being like, yeah, I do a podcast, but until you're, it's like when your podcast is like super popping, then it's like, oh, it's validated. But when you tell someone that, they're just kind of like, oh, okay. But see, it doesn't that it goes back to how you feel about yourself. Exactly, because it's about what energy you put out. If you mm-hmm. if you don't believe in yourself, why would anyone believe in you, bro? Big you facts. know what I mean? It's like why would anyone want to fuck with you or, or 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 put you know your thoughts into their thoughts? If you don't believe in yourself, you feel me? That's why I talk the way I talk is because for real love, I, I have confidence. And like, why would anyone want to listen to me if I don't believe in myself as a comedian slash podcaster? I haven't done one video podcast, but I know it's going to be one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Guaranteed. Guaranteed it's going to be big. Because, I like that energy. Well, it's because, bro, like I'm one of the best young comics in the world. Straight up. And you could, you could, you can... You're entitled to your opinion to say no, but you can also go Martin Amini YouTube and look up my special. Yo, 100,000 views, 120,000 views in two months. That's for a kid from Silver Spring, Maryland with no, ne- no, no, like no promoting. That's views, yeah. views baby. Uh, it goes up every day. So that's what that's be proud of. That's sick. That's without any video podcast. That's straight. Stand, only stand-up clips. You look at my channel, it's only stand-up clips. Imagine when I start podcasting when people find me for the first time. Mm, They're like, yo. Start getting that content machine, yeah. Yeah, bro. It's, I'm, 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 I'm good. You know what I mean? I got 100,000 views with no, with no one backing me. So it's like when, someone's, when I start to get that momentum, it's game over. The, see, like that's the beauty, the, the positive of this break is – you can like look at what you're doing, like audit it and be like, how do I take this to the next level? How do I change? How do I adapt? Like Bro, if this didn't happen, I would still be performing every night, not thinking about any of this. Right. I'd be chasing the next joke and not trying to like get my video game up. What a weird blessing, right? It's like, it's the, I mean, bro, I bought new lights. I got, uh, what did I buy? Yeah. I bought new lights, new microphones, um, this office space. I'm paying large amount of money for it but it's it's because it's furnished got the it's got the i wanted the look you know that fighter and the kid look of like Mm. backdrop and and furniture and um i didn't want to do no you know in the house in my bedroom this shit background i don't want this i want i want a fucking a big space for me my my dj my whole team Real nice production setup. Yeah, I want you know I'm projecting best in the world, so I gotta have like a best in the world set. So that's kind of like the vibes, and we got we got the we got the camera equipment, we got the we got the lights, 
and we have a great fault. We have my, you know, a lot of subscribers who are ready to see it. So I'm excited to, you know, uh, drop the first episode probably next week. That's sick, man, dude. Your energy is contagious, man. I, I feel more pumped up. Well, you should be, man. Stop being gay. It's like no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. For for ten dollars a month, you can hear me call people gay on Patreon and not in real life. But um, you know, it's just stuff like that. Like. I feel like we've all had moments when we were young. We've probably had the best laughs of our lives when we were younger. And I think as you get older, it's harder to have those like hearty har laughs that you, you know, that you, you, you get with your close friends. And I kind of want to bring that close friends energy to the public. But with that, you know, there needs to become, there needs to be trust. There needs to be, you know, vibes. You need to know my background and what, why I'm bringing this energy and, you know, what's the intention behind it it's not to offend it's to it's to it's to have fun and um you know that's for another episode but it's 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 a you know i want to be able to educate empower and entertain but in order for that to happen people got to trust me and they got to give me a shot and that's what i'm pitching right now is for people to give me an opportunity to 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 be their guy and 100 and for the, for it not to be a white guy <laughs> Well, I, well, God damn it. I believe in you, Martin. Thanks, bro. You know, you know, giving a, giving a, a Bolivian Iranian comedian a shot, man. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried. It's cause I already know what's going to I know how this going to play out. I'll be fine. But it's about like, just keeping it, just keeping it honest, man. Keeping it honest. I don't know you. I have no idea who you are still, but I respect that you reached out and you took a chance and Sometimes, you know, one out of 10 times, it's going to, it's going to happen. You'll get a good episode and you'll upload this. People will watch it. And you're like, Dan, how did this guy get Martin Amini when it's 2020, when it's like in 20 years from now, you know, people be like, damn, Martin was a crazy drug dealer. Holy shit. I like this guy a lot more. Yeah, dude. No, I mean, I, it's definitely on my specials. Um, the, the story about, uh, my father having to, you know, bail me out of a, of a, of a robbery went wrong. You know what I mean? Getting robbed. Um, my father had to bail me out of a couple situations and, um, yeah, all the stuff on my special is true. Uh, I lived through a lot and I think a lot of my responsibility is to kind of share my life lessons and my experiences with people who are, who are, uh, younger than me, you know, just, I'm not old, but I've been through enough where I think a lot of people, when I was 16, you know, I, 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 I lost 10 pounds out of my trunk half of it half of it was fronted to me by 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 oh. by by a gang and so i had to you know figure out a way to pay these guys back and finally i had to ask my father for the money and you know that was a real situation that i i i, I said the story on my special and it's less it's life experiences like that that kind of allow me to be the person who i've become today that's some real life shit right there yeah man Everyone does things. I mean, I just happen to do things at a higher level than most. And it's okay. Because not everyone's built for that shit. You know, I've made mistakes, plenty of mistakes. But um, I think it's important to look back and learn from it and, and kind of make light of it. You know? That's all we can do. Dude, Otherwise, you keep that shit bottled up. Do. It's going to hurt. Dude, there's so many jokes about old wars from back in the day. You know, I think like, uh, I can't imagine comedians in the fucking 17, 1800s. How like 
politically correct those people were. You know what I mean? There's fucking slavery. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine what a comedian would say to in eighteen seven or seventeen hundred? Jesus, that would be crazy. I don't even want to start making up those jokes. Yeah, dude. He's like, I like, ah, it's hot in here. <laughs> He's like, I was in the field. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I can't even make those kinds of jokes. Yeah, like dude. It's it's uh, yeah. Do you don't want to lose your podcast spot? Right, like now is not the time. Now is not the time. You got to you got to protect all the, the the tens of listeners you got, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take each and every one of them. Hell yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, hopefully, you know we can meet in person soon. And um, for sure, you know. Yeah, Martin, I, I really show. appreciate I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone at this point definitely knows where uh, to find you. And uh, if you're listening on the YouTube, it'll be in the description. So yeah, please follow me on YouTube and Instagram. Those are my two main, and Twitter too. I'm gonna get back. I tweet fairly often. Awesome. Well, guys, definitely check this guy out. That's Thanks, it. Bruce. That's Yango. Later, man.